0: Welcome to the virtual roundtable Data Driven Marketing, Driving Sales and ROI, presented by Modus Consumer Insights. Modus Consumer Insights is an all in one analytics and marketing company offering services like member segmentation, trade area analysis, addressable geofencing, and marketing campaign deployment leveraging household level data. Visit the Modus Consumer Insights virtual booth to learn more. All right, Mary Kay, take it away.
1: Hi, everyone and welcome to data-driven marketing, driving sales and ROI. Uh, My name is Mary Kay Marzoni. I am the Director of Marketing and Public Relations for Fitness Formula Clubs. We have 11 clubs in and around the Chicagoland area. I'm gonna let our our team of experts here introduce themselves. Um, Lyle, why don't we start with you?
2: Hi, I'm Lyle Gadden, uh, co-founder and vice president of strategy for Modus Consumer Insights. And uh, we have a location in Nashville and in the Seattle area.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Lyle. Jake.
2: I'm Jake McCabe, Vice President of Marketing for Genesis Health
3: Clubs. Um, we have 55 clubs now across uh, six states, uh, Kansas-based company, and we're in um, several Midwestern states as well as
4: Colorado.
1: Thank you, Jake. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Brian.
4: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Brian Rourke. Um, I have many different uh, roles. Our clubs are in Bangkok where I'm one of the uh, two directors of that uh, chain of six clubs under Fitness 24-7. And uh, we also have a number of other companies, uh, one of them being Moon Mission Media, which is our digital marketing firm. And we work with some of the companies we own like Vertamax and others, as well as advising uh, national chains on both the health club side and on the supplier side.
1: Thank you, Brian. Excited to have your international expertise on this call. We don't always get that. That's amazing,
0: thank you. And Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa McGuire from Hocassum Athletic Club. We're a top 10 single location health club based in Hocassum, Delaware.
1: Thank you. All right, guys, let's let's get into this. So we all know that the last 11 months has been uh, something, right? I don't even know how to describe it, if we can describe it. Um, Tell me a little bit about how your marketing strategies and tactics have not only changed, but how specifically has it changed related to data and ROI? Lisa, why don't we start with you first?
0: Sure. So uh, I think everybody's probably seen that their, their Google searches go kind of off a <laughs> cliff here. Um, and so we really had to pivot and try to encourage people to seek out the fitness club, the fitness space, you know, or our, our base of or our audience that we can target has really shrunk. You've got people in high-risk groups, you've got people who are just being socially conscious that don't want to go out, uh, you've got people that are fearful for going out, and so your your market that you can target has really shrunk. Um, so we've been doing a lot of Facebook advertising, video advertising, trying to play with language to drive the interest, drive the engagement, and also kind of change the narrative a little bit. So gyms are, are not scary places. They are public, but they're relatively safe. I mean, you're not, you're not hugging people at the gym. I mean, maybe you are, but for the most part, you're, you're really kind of in your own safe bubble a safe bubble, especially with a lot of the guidelines that governors have put in place. So that's been a huge one for us.
1: Awesome. Lisa, thank you. Jake.
3: I think if there's one word right now, that's most important, it's nimble. Um, you know we're being in six different states it's really important for us for us to have our finger on the pulse of you know where exactly our our different markets are at you know a lot of them have different levels of virus different restrictions different attitudes about things so you can't just use a blanket approach um in terms of marketing mix um you know we've really trimmed back to things where we can be incredibly nimble you know a, a Print ad with a one month lead time is just dangerous right now I mean um, we thankfully seem to be headed in a really positive direction um, but you never really know what the future holds and both to be able to defend if things get worse as well as to be able to seize opportunity you know things get better um, you know we've got to be able to to change on a moment's notice and really spend um, even more time in the data daily to see what's happening and be be ready to change and pivot if we need to.
1: Sure, sure. What are those those KPIs for you that you're in on a daily basis?
3: Um, You know, uh, kind of the typical ones you'll, you know, we always look at cost per lead, cost per acquisition, engagement. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that there's much more of a focus on usage right now. and And using that as kind of a metric to, See what's happening in a particular club or market and how they're reacting you know compared to to other clubs and other markets um but but really you know if, if if we can get that usage number back you know so many good things flow from that
1: absolutely and i should say that to you guys i i know for us we're looking at all kinds of usage it doesn't necessarily have to be marketing it can be members on freeze active members daily check-ins all of that data drives our decision making for sure. So we can talk about all kinds of data here. It doesn't necessarily have to be marketing because it's data that you're looking at to make your marketing decisions, right? Yeah. Um, Brian, how about you? How is it? How is it in Thailand?
4: Well, in Thailand and then the, the uh, clubs and uh, organizations we're involved in in the U.S. I mean, the difference in Thailand is we've had two closures. They haven't been, you know, too long. The initial one in the spring was longer, and then more recently okay. the weeks. So. And Thailand hasn't had the level of infection that uh, other areas of the world have, so knock on wood. Uh, So it's not been as bad, but the commonality of of strategies that we've seen in all of our businesses, content, 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 uh, and better content, uh, podcasts, video, imagery, um, and making sure that content is relevant to the user bases, uh, depending on the various markets or businesses we're in and then evaluating using data, the performance of that content to, to see, you know, is it resonating or not? Um, and the key right now is, and I, I would I would say this in general on data, you gotta be careful with quant marketing um, and ROI when you talk about it, because there's a near-term conversion cycle and then there's brand. And in all of our businesses, we we play by an 80-20 rule. We only promote about 20% of our spend, everything else is brand. Um, and as hard as it is, it's very difficult today to be long term like that because there's a lot of economic pressure out there on folks. Yeah, and to make it make, more direct. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I really believe that in the US, in the coming months, there's going to be a lot of working members coming back into the market. And they're going to be the ones that make it through and have spent time on brand are really going to be in a position to make a lot of hay while the sun shines. So, yeah,
1: uh,
4: yeah think long term. As hard as it is, think long term.
1: Yeah, and I'd love to come back to that in some later conversation because I just think it's so hard to measure brand, and it's so hard to measure content and look at that effectiveness. So we should we should come back to that. Um, Lyle, anything to add as a um, as a as a vendor on this?
2: Yeah, and I think I think the experience of operating clubs over twenty years, and now on on the marketing side, um, and, and data analytics. I think as Brian alluded to brain is so important, especially with consumer confidence that we're going to have to rebuild over time. And he hit the nail right on the head. And looking at the metrics of usage and the other data points, they're all going to be incredibly important. I think at the end of the day, it's understanding who, which particular segment groups, and this is what we've been doing is, well, what segment groups are coming back? And what is the message? Because uh, I think we all agree, context is going to be important to your content. Yeah. And, and for us, it's been a, a, a drive to look at household level data based on data points of visits, of cancellations, and ingest all of those data sets and say, okay, here's the trends, right? It's for all of us and listening and on this call, it's about pattern recognition and how do we get ahead of it. And so, so data analysis, um, incredibly important. And the delivery of content within a context is going to be uh, vital. Very good point.
1: Excellent. So let's talk about specific examples. Like What data and metrics are important for marketers to look at to ensure ROI? Right, Brian, you you hit the nail on the head that ROI is a is a slippery slope. So let's 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 talk about that. And what data and metrics do you look at to ensure that ROI?
5: Yes, I mean, and and so for the audience, there's going to be a great degree of variation <laughs> between what people are maybe evaluating. So I don't want to get too obscure. Um, of That makes sense. Um,
1: yeah.
5: You know, on the on the base of it, you know. What this is is competition for attention, and basically you use the fundamental metrics around traffic to site, you know, uh, you know impressions, all the basic top end um, kind of data. Uh, and again, to Lyle's point, in context, um, because you know what that is, uh, you have your existing state, and then you have where you're gonna want to go. You have to do some research around how that needs to look, but. When you're looking at that, then, of course, you look at, you know, what is your level of engagement and conversion off of that effort across a broad spectrum of data uh, of digital platforms, given the content you're uh, producing, um, and then in your website, etc. And then looking at your lifetime value of customer by segment and then what, what your conversion is off of that is the, as we all know, those are the fundamental things now. You can get far more obscure depending on how and what systems you adopt to look at this. Um, And, you know, that's everything by looking at conversion by page on your site. That's everything by looking at pieces of content and how they convert. You can look at campaigns and, you know, how you organize those efforts and looking at, hey, this is the effort. This is what we converted in. This is the dollars that we that we need. but it can be far more complicated than that. And all of our businesses, uh, we have a a basically an analytical tool and we use several of them. And then we use a Google sheet where every week and month we're tracking variables that cover 65 different categories. Sure. We see how those are trending over time, uh, because as you know, you can look at one week or one month and if you're not looking at it over a period of time with seasonality, You can really uh, lead yourself down a a path that's not necessarily productive to evaluate.
1: Right, um, right, right.
5: That's answering your question enough. I can. No,
1: I think it is. No, I think it is. And Lisa, I was uh, your whole Google search um, comment right off the bat is very similar to what uh, we're experiencing here as well. And so that's an important point. And I liked that you started to go into what you're doing about that. So maybe elaborate on that a little bit for us.
0: Sure, sure. So no, uh, Brian's absolutely right. There, there's so many metrics. It's really easy to kind of get into a rabbit hole. And then two, I mean, as working in the club, we're constantly putting out fires. So a lot of times it really is good to have outside help from an agency, because if you're, if you're running a marketing department and trying to look at all those metrics, it can be distracting, overwhelming, and, and maybe you don't always get the best end result. Um, we do, we do manage ours in house and kind of at the campaign level, a little bit higher up, um, Lyle made a really good point about measuring who's coming in and who's doing it. So we're a multi-service club, about 40% of our membership base is families. And so that's, that's our bread and butter. We, We love our families. They spend a ton of money in the club. They're buying stuff in the cafe. They're taking classes, they're buying swim lessons. And, uh, our, our current guidelines, we can't have child care. we can't have our kids needs, we can't. And so it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So like now, now we've got no Google AdWords, we've got no families that we can market to because they can't come in because they can't use the child care, And so we had to make this pivot. So again, like Jake said, you have to be nimble. So we, we made this pivot and we started talking about uh, one campaign that we felt was really successful was leave home at home, right? Like our, our lines are all becoming blurred between work, family, school for the kids, uh, social time. Like we're, we're not seeing our friends. We're not getting out away from our families. We're not, uh, we're, we're working longer hours because there's, there's no distinction. There's no break, there, you're having lunch in your house. Um, and so we started to market to these these professionals that are working at home. Like Leave home at home, come, come take a break. Have your spouse watch the kids, just leave it at home. Come take a break, come to the gym. It's safe, do something socially distanced. Don't take a class if you're scared hop on the treadmill, we've got everything spaced apart. And that was, that was really successful. And so we did that through imagery on, on social media, kind of pictures of, uh, there was like a, a, gra- a gradient picture of a woman who like there's a couch behind her, but then she's standing in front of a mirror at the gym with weights and a mask on. Um, I, I've seen a lot of mixed messaging on whether or not to use masks in social media. I've, I've read and heard that it drives the cost up. Um, but for our organic posts, I will say that those do seem to be getting a lot better engagement, just because it, it seems to make people feel a little safer. And it, you know,
1: yeah, it, there's, it's a weird line there, right? Like everybody wants to get to the point where there's not masks. But if you start showing not masks, then people who are at the club are like, wait, 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 are you guys, mm-hmm. ch- are you guys not going to require masks? It's a, it's a. It's a it's a slippery it's a slippery slope, but to go back to your leave home at home campaign. What did you see in that data and did you see a spike and were you able to successfully um, change the mix at the club to bring in more revenue.
0: So yes, we um, we've been pretty steady steadily bringing in new single memberships and couple memberships. That's Not as right. many seniors as we'd like, but that campaign was our most successful in the last eight months in driving leads. Um, and honestly, the close rate was about the same, no, no change in close rate, but it was sure. more leads, so more memberships. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Jake, what are you looking at um, to ensure ROI? You
3: know, I think it's, it's key to really focus on attribution, um, you know, make sure you've got as close to an apples to apples attribution model as possible between various different platforms and channels, um, sure. you know, the basics, just the, the bread and butter. I mean, every single day, you're in Google ads, you're in Facebook ads manager and you're in Google analytics and maybe not quite as frequently, but you're in uh, Google search console, you know, very frequently i think for for any any marketer out there i mean that's that's kind of the bread and butter um whether you're working with an agency or not um you know, it's a useful useful tool to hold the agency accountable to being in the actual data that you see um, so really you know once you get established a good attribution model then watching that flow through your crm and then seeing you know what sort of uh return you're getting or your different campaigns, you know, some converting better than others. And I think we're in this industry, especially where we see a lot of of difficulty is um, getting a good understanding from, you know, that kind of uh, platform side, the the Googles and Facebooks into our CRM, understanding, you know, the impact of re-engaged leads and being able to get good attribution so that we're following those people from, from kind of birth to membership.
1: Right, and so do you do first attribution? Are you last attribution? How do you, what's your model like?
3: Um, it's it's first typically, but we yeah. try to get as much insight as we possibly can on the, the multi-point attribution. Um,
1: yeah, the indirect I, stuff, yeah.
3: Move, move towards more of a multi, multi-touch attribution over time.
1: Sure. Sure, sure. And it's funny, I think we should stop for a second. Everything we're talking about here is digital, right? Like, Jake, I think you said, or somebody said, like, a print ad with a four-week lead time is, like, not right now, right? Is anybody doing TV? And TV is so hard to measure, sometimes radio. Um, I mean, it just sounds like digital is just easier to, to measure, right? Easier or harder, but the numbers are there, right? It just depends on how you read them to your point and making sure you're looking at at apples to apples. I always get really confused, right? Because a conversion in, Adwer- in Google ads might be different than a conversion in Facebook or Twitter or Insta, right? And so it's just, that's a full-time job in and of itself trying to figure out what you're talking about and making sure you're reporting on the right things to make your decisions, right? Yeah.
4: And a lot of attribution, by the way, Jake, is not real. Like, we really have to know because Google will attribute <laughs> and they're really kind of fiddled. Like, it's, it's a challenge to know, uh, right, Jake, right? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You got to vet. You got to vet it. Gotta you you, you, you got to vet it. Um, Lyle, anything you want to add to that before we move on?
2: Yeah, I, I think everyone's pretty much hit some consistent themes. At the end of the day, the KPIs, you know, we're fortunate enough to work with uh, a lot of enterprise clients throughout the US and also outside of the fitness industry. And the consistent message that's there is always going to be contextual content to the right audience. And also is there pattern recognition from a segmentation standpoint where you can see trends. And when we're looking at intake of prospects or members, as we all know, gym owners being uh, operator, owner, myself, and previous career, conversions. Are we gonna get the EFT up? That's the name, that's the <laughs> game. It's leads to conversions. And and I think the, the main thing that we look at, and I think Brian would agree, I think we would all agree, it's how where is the segmentation and the audience that you're going to find on the front end and how do you compare it upon intake and conversion and close? And so for, for us, It's been really valuable to to look at household level targets and then compare to the close. And so we can at least get some attribution from a matchback standpoint. Uh, And then also understanding that within the flow of the member experience, we have to work with clients and be on our P's and Q's that intake is clean. Sure. Member experience is clean, because that's where we're also gonna get the data. That's right. it, it's it's an all-out team effort. Our, all of our colleagues in the industry, we all have to be on point because we have to build consumer confidence. And a result of that is also going to be able to collect clean data for comparison. Yeah, garbage
1: in, garbage in, garbage out. Like.
2: That's it. So I, I, I think uh, that's the main thing is the KPIs we're seeing are tried and true. Conversions, leads, but with data, we're able to look at Targets on the front end, at least for how we do things, compared to uh, campaign execution. So, right.
1: So, Lyle, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you on the next thing. I'm I'm fascinated by the by, by the top the context versus content, right. and maybe get into some nitty gritty specific example for me, right? Sure. Like talk about talk about maybe a specific example where context didn't match content and how you were able to pivot. And and make it right. I think a concrete example might uh, might help the audience here.
2: Yeah, and I th- I think uh, uh, Lisa brought up a really good point with with specific restrictions in different areas that limits the type of groups that can come in. So uh, at least within uh, our framework, we establish context by looking at um, uh, actual sales data and ingesting that like we all do. Yeah, but then how we deploy that is looking at segmentation analysis at a household level of that data. And we like to use the Experian Mosaic segmentation definition. And so for us, we get that, we look at the household level data and what's beautiful about those sets of definitions that we filter our workflows through is that there are uh, lifestyle behavior, there are digital footprints that they leave and there are different nuances within each segmentation and there's 19 groups and 71 subtypes. Well, what we do is we compare the different subtypes that over index for your brand. But Brian brought up a really great point and we're all experiencing not only seasonality, but this thing that we're in, you know, this COVID season. I hate to say that, but right. it's understanding at a household level, these attributions of this audience. And these could, right, artists subjective. I think we could all agree. We all, I I was also a designer and I want my artwork to work because I made it. But when we get data that says, wow, based on restrictions or based on whatever environmental situation that's going on right now, here's the adjustments you have to make. So we look at, to answer your question directly, we look at segmentation, the digital footprint, lifestyle behavior, psychographic behaviors to make adjustments to artwork possibly the offer yeah. um, and also to see trends of which outlying groups are now responding to your brand. Right. And as Brian mentioned, where's the ROI on branding uh, and, but you have to get out ahead because new segments are entering and engaging with your, your brand. And we're seeing this in all industries we've with. And unfortunately some that are tried and true are dropping off for whatever reason, fear or, or whatever it is. So if you can get that data, that's just going to put you in a better position uh, to strategize and to execute on.
1: So that brings up an interesting point. And maybe Brian, you can talk to this and and Lisa and Jake, you can add to it. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that their marketing budgets have gone like this, right? So you start talking about brand and direct and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just trying to make it to next month, right? So you were talking about a lot of, We're talking about a lot of big stuff here, but Brian, try to, try to cement it for, for, for people here, right? Like how, how can you do this on a limited budget? And what's your best advice to someone who's just starting to do that or just starting to like open up their, their view to looking long term and looking to that you know, to that brand positioning as we try to come out of this.
4: Yeah, I don't want to be cavalier because I think in, in, there are right. certain people out there in this audience that are going to, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, be cavalier in responding to it, but the, the disciplines are the same. I mean, it comes sure. to, you know, first your financial model, you know, and, and where, you know, where do you sit? Because um, you have to make a budget um, and then you have to know the business case, you know, I mean, depending on where you are, how many new customers do you need to attract, you know? Yeah, to, to but that's patients. all
1: data, right? That's right. all super good. Right. Like if you're looking for a place to basic start.
4: Stuff, right, right, like basic stuff. And then yeah. to the point of psychographics and we've done this in the base case, we do an analysis, you know, we've used PRISM, we've used other tools to identify households and drive time markets and look at com- competition and go, hey, what's the available market? And, and you look at by your cohorts, by your personas, who's your com- competition? And by the way, you can use tools like Uber suggests and others to go in and see what those comp- competitors are drawing in from, from there. And then you, you come to a place where, hey, if I've got to add a net of 150 members, okay, given the marketplace, who are those people? Need Who do they need to be given what I deliver compared to my competition, where's my sweet spot? And to your point, you're creating personalized content. that's targeting those people to, to create inbound attention. And that, that's the first way you take whatever money you can and prioritize the lowest hanging fruit. And, and I think it kind of dovetails with what Lyle was saying and other people commenting. You have to have a basic strategy and you have to define it. You know, Some people are going to be in a rougher spot than others, but it really comes down to that. And the backdrop being, hey, what's your lifetime value customer? What's your cost of acquisition to execute that? How many members do I need to add to reach the goal we need? And then you start executing on that and you're monitoring it through the back end to see what do we need to tweak? What do we, is this, is this flying through? Also realizing there's a buying cycle depending on, seasonality, competition, all these things. It's not like, and this is a common challenge when you're in any situation is having enough patience because when you flip this thing on, it's not like all of a sudden you're going to start seeing immediate results. It's really what to do after you're launching the strategy to learn to constantly tweak that strategy to watch those things improve over time. I hope that answers your question. It does.
1: It does, and it basically is what gets measured gets done, right? Like so, that's where if you're looking to start looking at your data, you you have to have a goal, you have to have a starting point, and then you build from there. And as you guys explained, it can get, it can get exponentially more intricate, and um, as you start to look at the numbers. Um, yeah. Jake, how do you see it um, specifically examples with your, um, uh, with your chain?
3: You know, I think when you talk about, you know, how, 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 do you, how do you do things on a budget? You know, there's so many different areas we can, we can focus on, um, you know, and we're, we're fortunate enough that we, we do have a budget and we do have opportunity right now and we're able to, um, you know, have sales that are up over last year and, and even up over the previous year, thankfully um but you know we might we have were to in a talk
1: about that for some people too
3: <laughs> yeah well i i we can't take all the credit for that i sure. mean part of it the part of the country that we're in and, and we've, sure. we've a little bit better um, yeah. than yeah. certainly but um you know you've got so many tools at your disposal that are, are free or practically free um great you point. know Everything we talked about earlier, Google Analytics, Google Search Console, anyone can get into there. Um, SEO is, is really a matter of learning and it's free and it's, it's spending time with it is very time consuming. But if you don't have a budget right now and you're saying, hey, I'm a marketing director sitting here figuring out where I can have impact, um, you can set yourself up for the future right now by learning and implementing as much as possible through SEO. You know, we have email marketing that you can spend so much time learning about what works and what doesn't work, A-B testing, um, so many tools at our disposal. And it's, it's almost, uh, you know, kind of a conundrum, you know, when you do have the budget, sometimes you can't spend as much time on those kind of free or low cost channels. So that, that, that would be my big recommendation and something I always try to remind myself of is, is you know, just because you have a budget doesn't mean you can take your eye off of the other things that you can do, you know, kind of a little bit more guerrilla style.
1: Yeah, that's great. Excellent. Excellent advice. Lisa, anything, anything else to add? From
0: yeah, all- so uh, I think my my friends in the Northeast and in California and, and even in Chicago are probably like, yes, it's it's great. We know we need 150 members this month Thanks. to uh, get the EFT up and, and do it, but we're just not seeing it. And we're in the same boat. We're, we're just not seeing the traffic that we were tra- or we were pre-COVID. We're chugging along at about 50%. And there are other ways to pivot, too, that just aren't, aren't just incoming sales. So you can focus a little bit on what you're doing to engage your members that are coming in, get your new members integrated, get them doing something that's going to help them spend more money while they're in the club. Um, so we've been focusing a lot on our intake, getting people in front of our personal trainers. That's been really well received and our fitness directors, I mean, we've got less people in the building. So our managers are looking for things to do. We've been playing with language. We've been playing with um, crafting campaigns, email versus phone calls. I mean, people have more time to to put into this. And if you're seeing less members like we are, hopefully some of your department heads can help you out with this. jake love what you said about all the free tools that are out there uh again to the one that you didn't mention is just organic stuff on on social media that's social media is free and so we have a personal trainer who's really passionate about it and she wanted to start a a social media channel just for personal training He said sure you know what go ahead let's let's do it let's see how it goes it's been going really well she's doing a lot of real-time stuff getting the members engaged with her. And so all, all of those people are seeing it on, on their feed because I think sometimes at a corporate level or even at a club level, you don't get that one-to-one engagement that social media really intended for. So if you can get your staff members on board too and just kind of have guidelines and, and make sure nothing crazy is getting posted. Um, but I think that's a really great tool. So I, my, my my two cents would just be um, kind of look at those non-dues revenue things. and. Uh, We we have an advertising department too. And so I think one thing that's really neat about our businesses is our people that are coming to the club obviously are not scared to be out and about. These are the customers that other businesses in your community are looking to reach. And so if you can create some partnerships with those businesses, you might be able to leverage a little income from them too to get in front of your members. Uh, that could be through email. Maybe you send out a coupon from a local business. Maybe you put their ads, if you have digital TVs, put them up on your TVs. That's what we do. Um, if you have a blog, throw an ad from them on your blog and you can, you can charge for that. And it's a win-win for everybody. It creates a community partnership and a revenue stream for you.
1: For sure. We've had businesses pre-COVID who would never have talked to us in a million years so that all of a sudden now, are like, yeah, let's do something. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, let's, let's do it.
2: (laughs) If I add something to.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Having um, operational experience and, and being in the clubs and, and selling memberships now being on this side, you know, buying marketing and now pitching analytics and marketing. Sure. you, You bring up a really good point, especially with contracting marketing budgets. Uh, what we're seeing consistently and where we have these strategy discussions with clients is, is, you know what you can do right now is when we come out of this, we hope there's budget to execute on, but that marketing dollar is going to expose what you did while you had this opportunity to match your promise to the member experience. And how is that going right now? And- a big push where we've had clients that contract because of the real situation that we're in is we're saying, look, take this opportunity. You have to perfect your member experience because we all know, Brian, we, we know this, brand evaluation happens at all phases because clients can now pull content in a moment. Even if they're happy with their personal trainer, It does, they'll pull content. So what are you doing right now Like Lisa and Jake said, on these free platforms, if you Google, I I think an implement with suspension straps and how to use the exercise, is your brand the one showing how to do the exercise? Or I promise you, most people on, on, on this call, it's another brand that's showing them how to do a row or how to stretch. Well, that takes 30 seconds. You look at the payroll, that's worth it. It's free you can upload it you can f- use the free platforms to to leverage that with specific seo all that's free except it costs you time it's it's too important because we have we all have friends that we're on the phone with that's it's gut wrenching to have these conversations sure so it's take again to underscore what what lisa and, and jake said take these free platforms and match what uh, customers can pull and get content out there that really solidifies the member experience. And then when you do have the dollars, what the promise you give out in the the public, it's gonna match your online presence and your in-club presence. And, And that won't cost you anything except time.
1: Right, it's true. It's true. We had a saying that marketing tells the story, sales sells the story, and operations delivers the story, right? So you got to go, what you're saying at the top has to be happening at the club level, because you will be exposed like that.
2: Quickly. And we, (laughs) as an industry and as an operator, we skated by. We skated by by putting out an ad, a closeout, a holdover, and, and they would buy despite The member experience not matching the promo because the promo is strong enough. Now these consumers, their confidence is shaken. We all as an industry, we gotta band together, we got to say, let's up the member experience. It's gotta match what we promise. It has to. Yeah. Right? It just it just has to for the survival of all of us. So
1: yeah, yeah. And then you know, as this is a data driven marketing segment, how do you measure that? Right? How do you how do you, Brian? How do we how do we do it? What do we what do we see?
5: Yeah. Google reviews. I mean, you know, Google reviews. I mean, I tell you, man, in, in a number of our businesses, we have tactics to gain positive testimonials on Google reviews. That's cheap. You know, like even Google my business for crying out loud. I mean, that's a, for a lot of single club or smaller club operators. And I see many of them not really leveraging the power of Google my business. I mean, you can share a lot of content and most search, for gyms near me, it's going to offer up that content right there. If you do a good job, that's a great example of a free platform. But testimonials is one we're very focused on. We do a number of tactics to get that done. Obviously, in the long run, you want that to be very, and you hope it's legitimate and, and uh, real. And that's where yeah. you're lining up delivery of, uh, of experience where people are very thrilled to give a positive ex- uh, testimonial. But testimonials yeah. are a great one, and we measure those.
1: Sure. Sure,
5: absolutely. Now, another about engagement that's free as uh, was mentioned uh, by Lisa is when you talk about engagement. anytime a member makes a comment on any platform, the brand should be giving them love for that. Uh, that's a that's free. It takes time, but and that's something again. A lot of brands don't spend enough time on engagement where they're just giving love and thanks to everyone that's participating. In the community, it ups the uh, with, uh, the uh, algorithms as well as far as serving up the organic content, so.
1: It's funny, our team, we have one person who responds to all the positive reviews and then we have one person, that's me, that that responds to all the not so great reviews, right? Like, but you have to assign that, right? You have to say, okay, who's gonna do this every single time? Who is responsible for it, right? And who responds to all the... All the Facebook, right. Oh, yeah. lot, you gotta assign it. Yeah. Yep.
5: A lot of experience, like what I was mentioning is now digital. So if someone says something good or bad and you're engaging with them appropriately and people see it, that's, that's what you got to do today. People, you know, yeah.
1: And, yeah. and over
2: time that will build the context, Yeah. right? That's going to build the context relative to what you deploy. Yep. And as we all alluded to, and, and Lisa, you said it, does your promise of community match? what's really happening on your platforms. Right. We all have an opportunity to do that right now. And, you know, and, and I think we, like Brian, you said, we can measure these things.
4: Yeah.
2: And we gotta just take the steps.
1: So, I, and I think we kind of talked about it, but Jake and Lisa, I'd like you, for you guys to comment on this. One of the, what is, and this might go without saying, but I think we should say it. Like, what is, what is the biggest challenge facing us today and how can we use data to overcome it? So Jake, I'll go to you, and then Lisa, I'll go to you.
3: You know, I think the, the biggest challenge is probably uncertainty. Um, and anytime we talk about analytics or data, you know, a, a big element of what we're trying to do is predict the future. Um, and, and that's either the immediate future right in front of us, what will happen if I do X today, what will happen tomorrow? Um, and, and sometimes that's a longer term horizon. Right. But, um, you know, it, it's so key to be in the data constantly, um, you know, to see when dangers are coming, when opportunities are coming, and to make sure that you're predicting the future as, as, as best you can. And I think sometimes in marketing departments, we use reporting very, very differently than other departments within our organization. You know, they're looking at how do the kpis look today what what's happening today how can we drive tomorrow and and we've got to look up a little bit more and i think we need to treat data as kind of a an investigation sometimes as opposed to just a monitoring of what's coming in you know is there a correlation we can find is there a lever that we could pull somewhere that you know no one else is aware of you know what's what's that secret insight that we can find and we can really make a difference because of the insight we were able to find within the data
1: yeah, I like that. And it's it's really a curiosity level. Like once you start looking at it, it's like, oh, what if? What about this? Um, and that uncertainty goes back to what you said, bringing it full circle to being nimble, right? Like what can you see and how can you pivot quickly? Lisa, biggest I, challenge I, and how can data overcome
0: it? I, I think uncertainty is a really great way to put it and and to kind of go in a different route. I think it's Another really large challenge we're facing is just overall traffic. Um, it's, it's all been traffic, traffic to search engines, traffic to our websites, traffic to our clubs, traffic to our sales teams. Um, from there, the new members that we're getting, it's not as many, so traffic to our other departments. Um, and I think. We've gone over a lot of the the data points that are important and a lot of the data points that were important pre-COVID are so important now. Um, Traffic as a whole, uh, close read, how that traffic's flowing from one department to another. And if you're you're in a position where you're not seeing as much incoming traffic, then leveraging the traffic you do have to make the most of it. Um, So I I really think usage is a, a huge one, engagement, um with your brand in real life physically and virtually digitally um and then your your typical sales your leads in closing percentage those are all really really important but like i said i I think a lot of the metrics are still the same we haven't changed
1: yeah sure 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 brian or lyle anything to add on the challenges and how we can overcome it with data
2: um I, i think brian would agree it's it's now is the time to do forensics. We, we have to dig deep uh, because they're gonna uncover some patterns, right? We're a, a lot of us that love data and, and analysis, we're trying to look at pattern recognition. If you can get ahead of it, as Jake, as you're alluding to, we always wanna try to answer the question, what population, what segments of the population are now act, acting on these offers within locations that are opening? Well, what are the steps at the very least things you can do for free from a data standpoint to overcome challenges of traffic and to identify opportunities. Are you looking at the very least a basic demographic study of those who have joined in the last 30, 60, 90, even if it's just age, gender, zip code, at the very least, you can do that for free. And I'm sure Brian and myself can say, hey, you wanna take the next step. But, but those are things from, a Lisa, you're right on, it's never gonna change, closing percentage, lead gen, family add-on, what's the bolt-on percentage? Like what's the PT at point of sale? Those, those things are gonna always be there. But as an industry, we now have to be really proactive and, and take the data points you have at your fingertips in your, in your software and identify trends and patterns and, and reach out, reach out to your agency, find someone that does analytics and look at the patterns. Um, And then there's gonna always be a lot of options to to take the next step, but that's how I would um, uh, partly off of what what they said.
5: Yeah, uh, I like the term uncertainty, I think it's right. And that uncertainty really is about change. And really, I think one of the big challenges exists, it may not exist for everyone on this call, but I really think it's internal and it has to do with what people believe marketing really is. Uh, (laughs) You know, it is not promotion. Um, But promotion is a component of it, and and in order to do the forensics, like uh, Lyle said, and in order to evaluate everything that you all said, I think you have to think deeper. It's really about, you know, understanding what the business is really doing around the customer and how we are going to change what we are doing to make the business uh, more successful than it would be otherwise, because there's so much about this that is beyond just this CTA is better than that. Are this, are this promotions better than that? It really has to do with, you know, what what member journey and what experience are we trying to create? How are we going to differentiate ourselves? And what does the data tell us so that we can not only inform our ads and content, but inform the way we actually are delivering that experience to those members? And that's a more strategic position. And oftentimes, marketing is thought of simply from a promotional perspective of lead gen, and it's more than that.
1: Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. So um, we've got about just a few more minutes. I'm going to let everybody take a last pass. If you could give just one piece of data-driven marketing or sales advice to other operators, what would it be? Lisa, I'm going to start with you. One piece of advice. Sure.
0: Uh, I guess my my one piece of advice, it's been a common theme through the whole uh, call or webinar. It's to just be willing to pivot, be willing to take a look at the data, take a look at the patterns. And just because something worked well yesterday doesn't mean it's going to work well today. And and maybe just because something didn't work well a few years ago doesn't mean it won't work well now. Um, You know, kind of going back to the example of where we we lost 40% of our our market and had to really focus on building up the other segments. Um, That was, it was tough, but fortunately we had the time to work on it. Um, so I think just looking for those opportunities where you can try to make a change and see what happens and um, don't, be, don't be afraid to take risks.
1: Thank you, Lisa. Lyle?
2: Uh, I think the main thing that, that I would take away is, uh, listen, you have the data at your fingertips. Our budgets are tight out there. Dig in and do the work. <laughs> it's, it's kind of obvious, but... You, you have it at your fingertips. You have the free resources at your fingertips. As much as Brian and I would love to chat with you, <laughs> we would rather you be solid and have a foundation of understanding your own data um, and take those steps. YouTube.com, learn. Um, that, that's, that's what I could say because so much good can come from just owning the data that you have in your house and then if someone like Brian or myself or whoever comes along, now it's collaborative. We do not want this. And Brian, I know you, we do not want this to be a one-sided conversation. It has to be collaborative because there's strategies we have to bust through together. And if you have a good handle on your data that just enriches anything that we can provide as an agency. Now there's, there's even more, there's that word again, context around campaigns and data. So take the step to learn your data and find someone like Brian or myself to to just tell you this is what you should do. And if you ever need us, call us. But you know, that's what we have to do as an industry to get out of this together.
1: Absolutely. And I think people once you start looking at your data, you're like, whoa, I might need some help with this, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. but it won't cost you any starts, money,
2: just time.
1: That's and what starts we, we've to happen So
2: many calls about money. So you can do yeah. this everybody.
1: Yeah. You can do it. Awesome. Thank you, Lyle. Brian
2: it's
5: a big question because it depends. I like what Lisa had to say. Uh, it would be hard to give one piece of advice. I think the one piece of advice is go to Google and start typing in data driven marketing and go to YouTube, like I said, and start learning what it is. Because if you don't, if you already know, then you know. Then you know it's just about honing what you need to hone. But if you, a lot of people I find, uh, it's overwhelming to them. Uh, you know, they're they're doing their jobs. They're trying to figure it out they you know they don't know what data to look at so uh, i i'd say well was right learn and just try to learn because marketing is also changing you know with the the new advent of ios 14 retargeting is going to come more challenging that it it's constant change you have these new platforms out it's always changing so uh it's a journey and uh you know uh just learn
1: excellent all right jake take us home
3: all right, so my, my big all encompassing sentence is probably data without actionable insights is just numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have to not only be in the data, understand the data, but we have to be constantly mining for insights, yeah. um, figuring out what those are and then taking action on them. Otherwise, we're just looking at numbers. Um, I have two quick, quick tips on um, ways to do that, uh, that I think a lot of uh, marketing departments overlook um, we have a tremendous opportunity with the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of members and prospects out there that we have email contact with. Um, we can survey those people um, and we can have answers very, very quickly for something we need insight on. Um, you know, quick learning on survey design and learning how to run crosstabs, you can, you can get a lot of actionable insights very, very quickly quickly that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my favorite little trick, I discovered this a few years ago, um, the correlation function in Excel, um, looking for relationships between two different variables, you can find quite a bit.
5: Multivariate multivari- co- collinearity, isn't that the word they use with the multiples? You, you're yeah. your addition, uh, Jake, I'm impressed. That's great. <laughs> it's very useful. Uh, it's
3: just fun. It's very useful. It is. It-
1: that's the best part about marketing, right? It's half, somebody said, I think it was Lyle, like the best part about it is it's half art and half science, right? And you have to use both sides of your brain at, at, the, at the same time. Um, thank you all so much uh, for joining us. I'm, I'm just gonna end with some of your own words. I tried to write them down and circle them as we talked about it. Uh, nimble, context versus content, um, attribution, digital, uncertainty, traffic, driving ancillary, Google reviews, um, budget versus your business case, and recognizing patterns. Um, And Jake, say your your last line again, because I think you deserve all the credit for your data versus numbers.
3: Oh, yeah. Data without actionable insights is just numbers. Very thank
1: good. you guys so much for for joining us. I, I, I had a blast. I, we appreciate your time so very much. Thank yes. you.
5: Hi, everybody.
0: Yes, thank you guys so much for that just amazing discussion on data driven marketing. Um, attendees, please join us on the live Q&A tab in a few minutes to ask our panelists your
4: questions.